Hello and welcome to the Feminist Fiction Podcast. I'm Natalie. And I'm Megan. Uh, And we are two halves of the book club collective Feminist Fiction. (laughs) Two halves of a whole. (laughs) Two halves of a whole. We should get little (laughs) necklaces made. Yeah, I'm really half joking, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I'm deadly serious. (laughs) I'm actually kind of serious. Um, Yes, we have book clubs in Manchester, London, Halle in Germany, Liverpool and Belfast. Uh, And we do this podcast every two (laughs) (laughs) weeks-ish, on average, um, where we discuss uh, culture, books, TV, films um, around different themes. And this week we are going to be talking about Twilight and we, this is the first time we've done this where we've just dedicated one episode to one thing, but there's just so much in Twilight Yeah, like you know. Exactly, like what happened was we thought, okay, it's getting to spooky season or at least like autumnal vibe um, and we thought of a lot of different things to talk about, but like as soon as we started thinking about Twilight, it was just like oh okay there's so much here so and I think hopefully you guys are gonna love it (laughs) it kind of half started as like a joke at the book club I was like oh we should talk about Twilight and then everyone at the book club was like oh my god you should do a whole episode about Twilight (laughs) and then the more that I've read about it and just the past few weeks wasted hours of my life re-watching yeah the film um there's just so much to unpack (laughs) (laughs) and I mean actually so much like that came from the first viewing like when we were younger and then so much again that came from it now re-watching it like like re-watching it in my early 30s has been very interesting looking back on these well and it's interesting because you've seen the films but you haven't read the books whereas I actually did Mm. read the books when I was a teenager and I was looking up like when they came out and the first one came out when I was 12 so literally like as I was like hitting puberty I was like I was like you know their audience I guess like a like a young teenage girl oh that is interesting because maybe that's why I missed it slightly because I was more like it, the book the Harry Potter books came out exactly when I was that age and I followed yeah. all of them whereas Twilight for me I think by the time I was it was coming out for me it was a bit uncool to like it but I definitely did like it <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah no I, I mean I read pretty much all of them I put I stopped reading halfway through the last one and again like because I guess I was older already so I think I was already sort of losing interest as I was getting mm-hmm. a bit older but just the storyline just got so shit that I was like, I'm out. <laughs> Which we'll get to, we'll get to. Yeah. Um, Maybe like, um, before we dive into it, and we're really going to dive deep, this is a deep <laughs> dive, you might say, yeah. um, we can just take some questions from the audience. So mm-hmm. that's what we always do to begin with, if you haven't been before. So the first one is how to get out of a rut someone asked um with reading or drawing or anything like that do you have any advice on finding time to read or make after a long break um well may I think there's slightly different things like with reading I feel like I've been in a bit of a weird reading place recently where I just keep like starting books and I'm reading mm-hmm. like seven books or something now do you know what I mean where I'm not finishing any of them yeah but then I just started reading a book that I'm... I just think I wasn't enjoying any of them enough. And then I just started reading a book that I'm, like, actually really, really enjoying. And I Amazing. suddenly feel like I want to read again. So I think it's basically just trying to find something that's your... your is easy to read and isn't, like... 
you know so maybe that might be like reading some something a bit more like trashy and fun for mm-hmm, example mm-hmm. yeah it's not like a slog to get through because I think yeah that's when you can get stuck yeah I completely agree with that I've always been someone I always always have like seven books on the go minimum yeah. <laughs> like the only reason I finish books now is because of the book club because I know I have to yeah. usually usually it'll be like a year before I'll finish a book because I'm picking it up and I'm such like a mood reader like I yeah. only read things before I was in the book club I only read things according to my mood so if I was mm. like sad then I would just like maybe even read something that's deliberately going to make me cry and just get out my emotions and other times want something like that's just going to give me relief like you say of um, a romantic comedy Mm -hmm. but also my other tip would be um, audiobooks 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 like I'm obsessed Mm -hmm. and I just find I get through so many more because I'm listening when I'm getting ready I'm listening when I'm on the bus I'm on the bus a lot so that help that works for me. I mean, if you're someone who commutes or travels at all, um, you know, what are you going to do with that time? I used to find that I was just always listening to music and staring out the window, which is nice if you're in the mood for that. Um, but I do find with a long commute, it's really nice to just settle into a book and like actually really relieves my anxiety in the mornings kind of thing. Yeah. It's like I'm in a different world and whatever's going to happen in the day doesn't really matter. I'm just chilling with my... Uh, yeah book yeah I think that's good advice I think it's yeah and I think it's slightly different for creative things although maybe similar in the sense of like making it very easy Mm. for yourself like it depends on what you like with I suppose with artistic things like because interesting like for me I'm a writer and like art doing art is like a hobby for me like painting Mm -hmm. things or drawing things so sometimes if I feel creatively like writing I'll do some art to just like try and be creative in a way that's like not so pressurized because I'm much more judgmental of myself I suppose when I'm writing so maybe for an artist it's the opposite maybe you should do some writing I was literally gonna say that yeah I I I actually do that that's so weird that we both do that yeah I actually do have a lot of like really nonsensical pieces of writing on my computer Mm. which I do to just get that creative thing feeling going because for me yeah I have to say like drawing there's so many issues in my head related Mm. to that like so I really feel like I have to be in exactly the right zone you know the conditions have to be exactly right and those things put me off actually drawing like what I should really do I think is just bring a sketchbook with me everywhere and draw everywhere um but I have so much like <laughs> wrapped up in the idea of of that yeah. that that it makes me yeah I'm de- I definitely don't know if I'm the right person to ask about that in terms of drawing I find it very very easy to to read and to listen to books and stuff because I have less invested in that um, yeah. but yeah I, I totally get that artist or writer's yeah. block is such a big issue isn't it I definitely think like I have done quite a lot of like air dry clay you know those little clay Ooh. oh my god it's so good I would really I know recommend you do those that candle holders right yeah yeah because also like it's so easy to redo it like you know if you, if you don't like it you can just squash it and start again mm. it's not like a wasted thing and it's very like tactile and quite relaxing so yeah oh, so I would nice. definitely recommend getting some air dry clay and make some little candle holders or like pots cute or, yeah, I quite want to do that now. I feel like maybe that's the answer for me as well. Just doing something yeah. creative that isn't directly drawing, which is my thing. Yeah, yeah. great. I think cool. it helps to just do something that's 
not where there's no pressure basically mm, you know definitely. like and yeah if it's if it's what you do like if it's part of your job or you want it to be your job it's hard not to be quite mm. self-critical I think isn't it yeah definitely right so should we get started yes <laughs> let's do it <laughs> let's do this <laughs> um yeah I where mean begin <laughs> We're going to kind of go through them film by film, right? Mm-hmm. And talk mm-hmm. a bit about the story. I mean, maybe, do you like? Do you want to do an overview mm. of the first Yeah, why one? don't I do, yeah, just the first movie. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, <laughs> what planet have you been on? But um, yeah, here we go. <laughs> uh, so it's a young adult. Uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about it as a film because I haven't read the books, but it's great yeah. that you have so that you can interject. We can focus on the, on the films, I think. I yeah, mean, I think so. In that I think um, they're more of a phenomenon in some ways. Well, absolutely. I'm sure these people <laughs> instantly will be like, no, they're not. <laughs> 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 We've already messed up. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a giggly one, guys. I don't think we haven't mentioned that it's Friday night for us, and we're already yeah, drinking. drinking so gin. apologies. I in wonder advance. if I can do some like texture, <laughs> like, the sound effects. <laughs> Little swig. <laughs> okay, yeah. right here we go. Come on, I'm gonna try and concentrate. Um, mm. So, uh, this character called Bella Swan, um, played by Kristen Stewart, who moves to. A small town um, because of like the divorce between her parents, which just seems very um, like everyone's very happy about about it. But mm. she's just taking a move to a new place to be with her dad for a bit of time, and um, it's a very different uh, atmosphere from the one she's used to. She used mm. to live somewhere very warm. Um, you know, the cinematography is very much. She goes from this very yellow. It's like and Arizona, beautiful. I think, isn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah, that she um, moves from to to Forks, which is like foresty and it rains all the time. Right, like I mean, yeah. this is really ignorant of me, but is it Canada or where is uh, it? I think I don't know. I think it's America, but it, it looks like Canada. <laughs> yeah, sure. like. It's sort of Canada vibe. really, it's really beautiful <laughs> and atmospheric. Canada yeah. vibe. And like beautiful atmospheric, but very dark. Like literally they change the colours on the the movie. So it's, as soon as she gets there, it's it's dark and it's brooding and the atmosphere is very much um, teenage angst, which is what they're trying to create with it. Um, and she goes to the high school for the first time, her new high school, and suddenly these like weird and creepy people come into mm-hmm. the cafeteria and they're all very they're pale they're, they're very, very hot, hot. <laughs> they might be creepy but they're very sexy <laughs> they're super super sexy <laughs> and everybody's looking at them and Anna Kendrick is there she's not mm. one of them she's just a fun ordinary person mm. maybe like the like only them. relatable person in the whole film <laughs> The only normal person in the whole thing. Yeah, and so typically Anna Kendrick moment, she's like saying how, don't even bother trying Bella. Um, That guy never dates anyone at school. And straight away you've got, you know, it's all set up for obviously Bella is going to eventually date this guy. Um, Then pretty quickly we find out that he is a vampire. I mean, I've, I've skipped it's a few steps there. <laughs> yeah, we may, as well, we may as well get to that part. I mean, like, she... There's the whole thing when they when he comes into the cafeteria and he keeps, like, staring at her and he looks like... Almost like... 
afraid of her. I don't know how to describe it. He's like, it's he's giving this weird look. And then they, they're lab partners and he is sort of acting like she smells. And there's a bit where she like, <laughs> she smells herself because she's like, why is he being so weird around me? True. And then you find out that she's like, she smells like amazing, particularly like amazing to him and he wants to eat her, mm. right? Like he can smell her blood. Yeah, but, but, like, it's coming across as disgust. Like, she actually thinks yeah. he despises her at first, like, yeah. right at the beginning, doesn't he? Yeah, and then, like, also, he has... All the vampires have, like, special powers, and his special <laughs> power is that he can read minds. <laughs> it's so stupid when you say that. <laughs> I can't wait to get some of the other special powers. <laughs> and, like, yeah, he can read minds. <laughs> yeah. And, but he can't read her mind. So that's the other thing. Mm. She's like, so especially it's like tasty, but he can't read her mind. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, he's yeah. intrigued by her, but he's also like, I can't be around you because it's too difficult. That's the whole vibe. Yeah. And like, yeah. event, she kind of pieces it together herself, like all these mm. little sort of clues as to why he's behaving so strangely, why he seems so obsessed with her, but at the same time, so disgusted by her. Eventually, she somehow works out that he is a vampire and she confronts him in the woods. Um, and he's like, um, say it, say it. Mm. I know, and he, she's like, I know what you are. <laughs> yeah, and he does vampire. this whole little, like, vampire show and tell where he's like, look at me run. <laughs> he looks, like, really fast. <laughs> and then he's, like, he's all glittery. And he just basically is, like, gives you yeah. the, the vampire lowdown of all the stuff that he can do you know, right. he like picks her up and runs around with her and stuff. True, with like it? really poor CGI. He can yeah. like scale trees and run really yeah. fast. And the main thing is he's like super glittery. Like when he stands in the sun, he glitters mm. and mm. she's like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So then doesn't it actually first come out because she's in the car park and a car nearly hits her uh, yeah. and he yeah. jumps in to save her. Mm-hmm. And like, there's like a massive dent in the car where he's he's stopped it, and she's like, "Oh my god, what?" what yeah, because he's like miles away from her, yeah. or quite far away from her, and he's just suddenly there. So she's like, mm. "That's that's strange." Mm. Um, yeah. So yeah. So I guess really, like, you know, why is this book so appealing, or the, why is this movie so appealing to young girls? Mm. Um, you know. It's a tale as old as time. The moody, arrogant mm. boyfriend who can save her from herself, I guess. Or mm. I don't know what it... Well, I think why it's Why was like, he attractive to you? Yeah, I mean, when I was younger, I think it's worth us introducing Jacob as well to get into the why he makes girls let's. like it. Because, so alongside the vampires, there's also a clan of werewolves. One of whom of is, there is Jacob. And again, you don't find this out for a while, but there's all this weird stuff with his family mm-hmm. where it seems like they've got some kind of weird cult going on. And right. he doesn't really know what it is because he he's young and he hasn't been, he hasn't turned into a wolf yet. And then he does, doesn't he? And mm-hmm. he suddenly understands it all. And the wolves and the vampires are obviously enemies and they don't like each other and they both are really stinky to each other right whenever they're around they're like ew <laughs> and like literally yeah literally stinky <laughs> there's so much about smell in this it's really yeah. odd yeah yeah uh and then he is he it becomes quite good friends with bella again it doesn't really like the romance stuff with him and her doesn't really kick off until the second film. I don't know, though. I would argue the seeds are sown because when we mm. first see him, 
it's discussed um, that they were childhood friends and that they mm. always used to tease each other and run around as kids. Mm. And he's very much already in, therefore, with her dad, who she's living mm. with. Um, and, and his dad has a good relationship with her dad. And, and it's yeah. very... It's, it's a different trope, isn't it? It's, it's the opposite of what um, Bella and Ed would have, where they're kind of like enemies to lovers. Mm. This one is very much like, oh, we grew up together and yeah. it's inevitable kind of thing. Yeah, and I guess it's like, um, he's, I don't know, he's very different to Edward as well. Like Edward's very like reserved and like quiet and all very brooding. Yeah. And Jacob's like very warm and like funny but also quite like fiery I guess right yeah Which, and we should the whole say thing like, of, like hot like they're really hot aren't they the werewolves yeah, like true, temperature true. wise as well yeah. as all having six packs <laughs> yeah so. I feel like it's important to note at this point that like for interest like mm. I'm very team Jacob and Natalie's mm like team Edward wouldn't you say or not really I mean I don't think I'm either of them to be honest <laughs> but when I was younger I was into Edward more than Jacob yeah um, yeah so what what were you attracted to is it it's been interesting like doing some reading around it because it definitely suddenly made me go like okay that's I do understand what it is in that mm-hmm. the the way that the books are set up is all is kind of about like um wanting something that you can't have I guess like that's the whole thing with yeah with Edward it's like forbidden and um he's like dangerous I guess but he's also <laughs> just like I said to you before we did this this recording that was like there's an argument for him being like the ultimate soft boy right <laughs> in that he's like yeah he's like emotional and all these things but he's so like tortured it's always right. he's always like I don't, he's like I I can't all the time he's like I want to but I can't because yeah. I you know because I'm too fucked up basically <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to yeah. I don't want to hurt you right and that's yeah, such a 100%. like that's such a thing right that like boys do where they're like they're, it's like basically being like that I literally in fact I pulled out some lines while I was watching it that he says that really yeah. sum up this thing oh my god go this for is it what he, said. he says if you were smart you'd stay away from me <laughs> <laughs> what if I'm not the hero I'm the bad guy oh <laughs> God. And he and he describes her as his own personal brand of heroine. Yeah, that's right. It's like it's like we sh- we we could do it, but it would be very bad for both of us. <laughs> and I think for a teenage girl like that is just that's crack, right? You're like you're kind yeah. of rebelling at that age, and you want to do things that maybe are not very good for you. And it's like it's kind well, of like, like I'm a bad boy, right? Because he's a vampire. So yeah, <laughs> and it's not just the bad boy thing. I think it's that. At the time when they came out, there really wasn't all of this talk about um, female solidarity. So when I was growing up, I did have it in my head from movies like this that I would like to be chosen Mm. to as different to the other girls mm. by a very special soft boy yeah. kind of man. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's total nonsense. Yeah, and but... that's totally it, isn't it? Like, he's like, you're special, like, you're different. Like, I can't yeah. read your thoughts. Like, you smell really good. <laughs> yeah. And, like, that's stuff. why she's quite relatable, I guess. Like, she's set up as a very ordinary type of girl. Like, mm. really she is kind of an every girl isn't she there's nothing much going on Mm. there and it's that fantasy of being chosen above the other girls which is actually when you think about it quite 
yeah uh, awful yeah well and I think in comparison like Jacob is just kind of into her from the get-go and yeah um, doesn't have anything there's nothing stopping the two of them from being together like you said right and my thing with why I support the Jacob and Bella mm. uh, why I ship that if you mm. will um is that she never has she would never have had to change at all for him yeah and to get a bit deeper into the plot of this particular movie, the first movie, she has to change a lot. In fact, that's that's the plot of all of the movies. Mm-hmm. Her journey with um, Edward is that she changes everything about herself mm-hmm. um, to be to be with him. Whereas with Jacob, whenever they have scenes together, it's very much like she's this tomboyish girl who hangs out with this very blokey guy. They do bikes together. They they fix up bikes and go on bike rides and. It all just seems very homey and like she's really herself. It seems healthy. Whereas, um, we haven't really got into this yet, but the Edward thing is really moving forward. But we're talking about Jacob a lot, but actually this movie is very much the the straightforward Mm -hmm. romance between um, Edward and Bella. And what happens is, I mean, I don't know, personally, I wouldn't even call it a romance. I'd call it stalking because he's, (laughs) it's it's really weird. (laughs) Like he's in her bedroom. He just shows up in her bedroom randomly all the time. Right. Like before they even started having conversations, he just turns up in her bedroom and watches her sleep. Like that's fucking terrifying. (laughs) Sorry, you have to bleak that out. (laughs) It is terrifying. No, I think I think we can swear. That it's oh yeah, true. We've decided. <laughs> I don't think I don't think anyone listening to this is a child. Maybe they, maybe someone listening to this will be a child now that we're talking about. <laughs> but uh, sorry if you are a child. Um, Apologies, but we are going to swear. <laughs> yeah, like it's just everything about him actually is like very problematic our favorite word it's going to come up a lot I think in this one yeah <laughs> like absolutely he yeah he stalks her he then like basically is I think very controlling like coercive and controlling as well mm. in that like again the way that story the storyline is about how Bella has to basically become a vampire which Edward is kind of like doesn't really want because he wants us to be able to have like a normal life but like obviously there's just all these practical implications of that including like she's going to get well old and he's going to still look like <laughs> a 17 year old man and then that's another problematic thing that he's actually 109 and he's going out with a 17 yes. year old girl which is Absolutely. pretty gross if you think about it so and gross she's, yeah and then she's so young comparatively yeah. like it's so gross <laughs> Yeah, and, like, so, yeah, they're kind of like, okay, she's like, she was like, I want to become a vampire, but becoming a vampire because then she'll want to, like, you know, first of all, she's not going to age anymore, and then she'll want to eat everyone around her. It means that she yeah. has to, like, leave her family right. and and all of her friends. Again, which is, like, that's, like, a classic abuser thing, right, is, like, isolating mm. the person from their friends and family. Yeah. Um, and every time I watch any of the scenes with... Bella and her dad I cry every time mm. any of the seasons because I think he's such a nice guy he's so Love nice Charlie. what a nice man right yeah. and he's so they're so they have such a lovely relationship they mm. can communicate without really saying much neither of them is very talkative they're both mm. really shy um you know but they both show their love really openly with each other and but yet 
she seems so willing to give him up all the mm-hmm. time, multiple mm-hmm. times. It's not just like one big goodbye father. It's like yeah. throughout the series, um, I, I felt like the message was romantic love is way more important than any other kind of love. And I just Absolutely, reject yeah. that notion, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and again, you can see why that's appealing to teenagers. Because I think when you're a teenager, you're yeah, like, actually, peak, yeah. like shunning your family mode, right? Aren't you? You're just like, I don't need you. And, <laughs> and so you can, because I, I remember at the time being just totally like, yep, she should do yeah. that. <laughs> Didn't have any issues to that. <laughs> That's such a good point, actually. Yeah. yeah. Whereas now I'm like, obviously not. Jesus, like, don't yeah. leave your entire family and like, you, like to the point where she has to like pretend to be dead. Levels of leaving them. Jesus, it's just awful. It's so sad. Like, it's so sad. And actually, yeah. maybe that leads us on to the second movie because the mm. beginning of the second movie, I think New Moon, right? Yeah. Is um, about how, for no apparent reason. Edward suddenly decides to break up with her. Like, there's yeah. been all this build-up. Um, she's totally enmeshed in his world to yeah. the point where she's left her own. Like, she seems to be completely adopting all of his siblings, his parents, everyone in his world. So it's so problematic. Yeah. But, like, ditching everybody she ever knew herself, including yeah. her school friends, not just her family, um, to be with him. But then yeah. all of a sudden, it's like, he just can't be asked anymore I guess he like, what's, what's the reason and they all disappear he's like I have to he's like I'm gonna leave and he's like I don't want to be with you anymore and he like dumps her in a forest and then she like crawls up into a into yeah. a ball and cries I remember like at the time being like I was like so relatable it's like every boy that's ever <laughs> judged me and I was like listen because we were saying the soundtrack to these films is actually very good and I used to listen to the soundtrack mm-hmm. So much, and be like, think about some boy that had not texted me back for like, something. <laughs> sa- yeah, like the soundtrack is really good, but that actually takes me back to what you were saying about like the soft boy thing. Because yeah. isn't it so funny how she goes to his Edward's bedroom in the first movie, mm. and he puts on the record player Claire de Lune, which is like the most mm. obvious piece of classical mm. music ever. Yeah. Like, doesn't everybody know that? Like, didn't everybody yeah. listen to that in like <laughs> yeah, GCSE like music? Pretty mainstream, yeah. <laughs> Like, I feel like that was a misfire on yeah. the playlist front. But I agree with you. There were some good moments. And, like, Bon Iver yeah. is very prevalent in it. Yeah. It's really and, good. Like, yeah. they have, like, Bon Iver, like, Tom York, amazingly. Yeah. Radiohead does something on it. Like kind really, of really works. Like, yeah. pretty, like, high-caliber people do the soundtrack for it. Yeah. It's um, like the moodiest pop stars you can think so of. so shit. <laughs> Comparison. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's worth touching on, like, it's inter- it was interesting reading about it as well, how the first mm. one was directed by a woman. Yeah. And then after that, it was directed by men. Um, but yeah. I do feel like the acting is, like, shockingly bad. Like, mm. re- like, re-watching it, I was just like, I couldn't believe, really, how bad the acting is. I mean, pretty much from all of them, but especially from Taylor Lautner, I would say, who plays Jacob. <laughs> Some of him, like, when he gets angry, it's, like, it's so funny to watch. It's just, like, it's such bad acting. I don't know. I do. I love him. Stop. (laughs) Breaking my heart. But also, uh, from, like, Kristen Stewart and Robert Powell, I mean, really, yeah, they're all bad. Like, her performance of Bella is, like, particularly annoying. I mean, I do think Mm. that Bella is quite an annoying person. (laughs) I remember even when I read the books thinking that she was quite irritating and that she's, like doesn't really yeah doesn't really have much of a personality and just Mm. kind of does 
do that thing of like completely converting to the man that she's around and appeasing mm. them. But also she's not she's not funny, you know? Like Anna Kendrick's character, she's like yeah. fun and has like personality. And yet just like everyone is obsessed with Bella and they're all like yeah. Even it's a point where I was like with her friends as well. Like she treats them so badly and that she just constantly ditches them for whatever guy yeah. she's dating. Like this actually, <laughs> like if you're a long term listener of this yeah. podcast, which I hope we've got some by now, um, mm. this takes us back to the Effie from Skins thing because mm. it's like she's so miserable yeah. and she's not funny and she's really kind of grim to be around Mm. but it's like oh she's so exciting she's so mysterious and that's the same thing with Bella isn't it she says hardly anything and men flock to her and she does like the like Kristen Stewart's performance of her is like this almost like someone who's constantly like constipated and that she does this thing always <laughs> being like oh, oh. <laughs> and constantly like throwing her hair around touching her face yeah yeah true. it's like she's constantly <laughs> doing a poo basically <laughs> that's my I review just, i just i yeah it's a good one i feel like she did she did well with the subject material she was given i don't think yeah. she's done anything wrong um, yeah, accurate reflects how annoying she is in the books. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think she's an amazing actress. And I think, really, this was the platform for her and for Robert Pattinson to go and do more exciting mm. projects afterwards. And they owe a lot to this. Like, And they, they were good. Like, They were really charismatic in this. I, I get what you're saying, that... Mm. She does definitely look constipated, and then you know it's not an amazing role. <laughs> um, but you're, I, I guess, you're hooked. And the reason that we're watching so many movies and that we did at the time, and that we would still mm. go back and watch them now, is because the chemistry is definitely there, isn't it? Mm. Um, well, they they were to, they went out in real life, didn't they? And you can definitely I mean, see yeah, that there's chemistry. Yeah, definitely. Between yeah. Them. But I think it's interesting because, like, I again, she since has said, oh, I know that they've been criticised and whatever, but, like, I actually think there was quite a lot of positive in it and she's, you know, kind of yeah. credited them as, like, doing a lot for her, whereas Robert Pattinson has been very critical of them mm. in a way that, like, really annoys me, actually. It's, like, yeah. I feel like it's really pretentious and it's, like, him... It's, mm. like, you did them. You can't act like you're suddenly above absolutely it, you know I, mean? I feel like robert pattinson was kind of a blip in her love life like she's definitely gone on to bigger and better things hasn't she <laughs> yeah definitely she's very cool um, she's so cool oh my gosh but it's like yeah it's like that did immense amounts for his career you know like mm. he wasn't i know he was in the harry potter films but it wasn't like a big part really and this like catapulted him to kind of stardom mm where he can now do all these, like, cool, arty, indie films that he wants to do. But so to just kind of publicly shit on it, it's like, you made loads of money and you were in every single one of those films. Like, don't try and backtrack now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, true. But, like, to come back to Jacob, (laughs) my main man. Jacob, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, in my little notes, I wrote that 
The great thing about Jacob is he really is expressing his love. Like, he's open with his love. He absolutely yeah. adores her. And he shows her in a way that I don't feel like Edward does. I think yeah. Edward is really horrible to her most of the time. Whereas Jacob, like, he gives her gifts, like, multiple gifts. He gives her a, a dream catcher and, like, a little <laughs> chain that he carved out of wood by himself. Like, I really like yeah. the sort of lumberjack vibes. I'm quite into yeah. it. And, um, you know, they and work on their projects together. Which right. Is pretty cool. Like, he's so generous and kind and warm and... Yeah. yeah, like, as I think it's ju- it's not necessarily that I fancied him as a teenager. I think it's just as an adult, I think mm. objectively he's the better choice. Absolutely, and, yeah. Like, in this movie, this, the second movie, we find out a lot more about him because she's been abandoned mm. by Edward. So she sort of needs some company and she gravitates towards Jacob and he's obsessed with her. But she still kind of loves Edward, but it... it the, the the only reason I think why Edward left her is that the writer needed a plot device to create more of a love triangle, don't you think? Mm. <laughs> like, it doesn't Wasn't really make sense. The thing that kicks it off is that, like, they... It's her birthday and the Cullens, mm. who, again, we haven't really spoke about, but they're, like, a whole family of vampires. Oh, yeah, let's get into so that. So it's, like, that have, like, kind of adopted each other and they've decided, like, not to kill people, essentially. Right. Which is quite different to most of the vampires that exist in the world. And there's there's like this kind of vampire council called the Volturi who live in Rome and uh, they are kind of evil, right? And they do eat people. Mm. I made a note about the Volturi here. Let me just say my little thing about the Volturi (laughs) because on my notes I've written, the Volturi, some posh bros broing out. (laughs) Like my summary. (laughs) Yeah, well, they're kind of like the... Like, you know, again, when we were reading about this, someone was saying that there's, they're kind of like the Catholic church in that it's mm. like, you know, it has that, that kind of vibe. Um, and weirdly, like Michael Sheen, again, very good actor. He's, <laughs> he's like the main guy who's just in this film. Yeah. <laughs> you're, like, what, you're kind of like, what are you doing in this film, Michael? Get, Seriously? <laughs> you're, you're Get out. This. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's, I mean, he's good. He does a good job. Yeah, Arrow, um, right? Yeah, but the Cullens, yeah, they're this little group and they've decided like they're not going to kill people and they want to try and live like a normal life. Mm. Um, but they have this party for Bella. They've kind of accepted that Edward is going out with a human and she cuts herself. Because that's the thing with her. She's very, like, clumsy, right? She's always getting Yeah, she's into, like, oops, yeah. silly me. <laughs> she's very much a damsel in distress, isn't she? Oh, All yeah. the time. Which, again, so is quite gross. annoying. It's like... Mm-hmm she causes really so much trouble for everyone. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, in, in their, in their lives, but she cuts herself. And obviously, (laughs) because they're all bloodthirsty, one of them, I think it's, um, what's he called? His brother, the one that's like really, really moody. Jasper. Jasper. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's, cause he's a newborn or or the newest born. So when they're young vampires, even though they're not young technically, but when they're young, then they, really crave blood so he has a big problem with her bleeding mm-hmm. yeah so he goes for her and then after that edward's like oh this is too unsafe for her and i'm gonna like ruin her life so i need to like break up with her in a way that's like so shit and horrible that she doesn't want to go out with me anymore that's like that's okay. his reasoning yeah okay which again if you think about that from like teenage girl perspective that's like so classic isn't it of like fight trying to like find a reason like a boy's treated you badly and you try and find a reason 
yeah. that they might do it. And and it's like in this, it's like he loves her so much that he's treated her <laughs> really badly. Oh my so god! Yeah, you're yeah. sat there as a teenage girl being like, yeah, so this guy's just dumped me because he loves me too much. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually what's going on. And that's very yeah, that's a nice so idea, you know. It's a lovely idea, but it's I bet there are therapists out there thinking <laughs> that this yeah. is absolute garbage and Not this is healthy. part of the reason why people end up going to therapy uh, yeah. because of thoughts like that. And actually, there's a moment where um, Charlie, her dad, says to her, um, Bella, you, you've got to learn to love what's good for you, which is really mm. great, like therapy-type advice. Mm. And she never does, I don't think. She constantly wants to do what's bad for her, really, just like a teenage girl. Yeah, she doesn't listen to him ever. He's, like, a really good dad, like, very much here for Charlie. Yeah, I love really, him like, so much. He is so, tol- like, tolerant of, like, her bullshit as well, you know, I think. Like, yeah. Again, she's just does, like, not put him first ever. Mm. Um, and again, I guess it's, like, that is what you do, I suppose, when you're a teenager. But, yeah, you can see, like, he's right. Like, Edward is not a, is not good for her and Jacob would no. be better for her. Although... Jacob, in my opinion, also becomes very problematic, which we'll get into. Yeah, <laughs> Neither of yeah, them definitely. really are great choices. And probably if it was written now, she would just be like, I'm not going to go out with either of you. I'm going to go and do it. I'm going to go travel <laughs> and do my own thing. <laughs> that would yeah. be the feminist retelling. A hundred percent. Okay, so on the topic of Jacob Black and the Black clan in this, like there's quite a lot of controversy around them because the writer Stephanie Mayer kind of based them on a tribe called the Quailute clan who are a real indigenous tribe in America and yeah it's it's she just very much kind of um capitalizes on it without really giving it fair due I suppose and also, like, the portrayal of them and their characteristics is a bit problematic, or it has been argued that it's um, a bit racist, essentially. And there's, uh, we can also dig more into the general racism of the story, of which there's kind of a wider problem. Yeah, I feel like she just picked and chose elements of their stories and their heritage and their culture that mm. she found interesting, And I think that is really problematic because she didn't represent them accurately um, in all of their uh, unique um, facets. And I think, but she did take some genuine Mm. things. Like, I think Mm. there really are stories, um, from what I've read, within that tribe about wolves Mm. um, and about a wolf who became a man. And But she's made that the whole feature of um what they what happens to them and she's made it into a fantasy world Mm. and this is a real tribe who hold those stories really close to their hearts and you know they are stories and they would be able to tell them much better than she could Mm. as a white lady like it's it's very Mm. problematic in that way I guess yeah and also I guess like in the sense of um you know, one kind of take that I read on it was about how, like, you know, the vampires and Bella ultimately, again, chooses Edward. Like, she ends up with Edward, she marries Edward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And their whole family, they're all, like, it's like they're, like, perfect white people. The whole thing is they're, like, 
mm. really pale and like beautiful and they're like almost this ideal to aspire to and the way that they're portrayed in this story is also very like uh civilized you know like that they are so restrained uh and together that they can yeah. fight their urges and keep that all in check you know and mm. comparatively the werewolves are not like that they're constantly mm. like getting angry and turning into these wolves and like chin they're very like hot-headed and mm-hmm. it's this idea of like civilized versus uncivilized and that yeah. ultimately the civilized wins as well in this story like wins out over the uncivilized mm. um and you know also just this i this like weird kind of black and white thing even the fact that their surname is black and Oh, yeah, and like the one of the articles that I read about how like they talk about like the way that the wolves look re- is supposed to reflect their like personalities, and one of the wolves who's kind of and there ends up being this conflict with him where he wants to uh, kill Bella because Bella has become a vampire and has gives birth to this like hybrid vampire <laughs> human baby. Mm uh that's going to be very dangerous they think and and they want to kind of you know stop that threat so they're mm-hmm. like we want to kill bella this and this one werewolf that wants to do that seth is his fur is black and like it's supposed to, it's like this idea of like blackness being like bad basically and whiteness mm. being good is like this real mm. theme throughout it and you know even with the writer like Apparently with the first movie, you know, they have a vampire in it who's a black man and the she was like very against it, the writer, and, and the director really had to push to have like any people of colour in the film at all. Mm-hmm. And apparently like they wanted to cast Alice as like a Japanese woman and she was the she was just like, No, the writer, like she wouldn't have it, but she kind of kept mm-hmm. she like allowed like one black person to be in the film. Yeah, it's really... Yeah, and it's like when you start really digging into it, it's just pretty fucked. And also, you know, like, obviously she has made so much uh, money off of Mm -hmm. this series and not contributed any of that to um, the people that she's... whose story she's used (laughs) to make all of that money. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with all of that. And But I think um, one thing that was interesting in the articles that we read is that despite the fact that she's obviously racist and there's been so many uh, incidents of her really messing with this tribe's um, Mm. culture, nevertheless, they have actually profited from the success of the books, which I think is great. Just a great side effect because at least they're getting money because they're getting a lot of tourism in their area Mm-hmm. Um, which could be seen as good, I suppose. Although also, you know, maybe they just want their privacy and maybe mm-hmm. they just want their land to be theirs. Maybe they're not mm-hmm. that happy with people mm-hmm. coming in and visiting and taking photos as they're in twilight. Like, mm-hmm. they're real people. That, mm-hmm. And I think this idea, what she's done really is created, like, them as she's making us feel like they are mythological creatures or something and they're real people and these are their real stories and it you know I think also based on what you were saying it's that thing of um dark-skinned people 
um, being like seen as savages. Like it, this yeah. whole story is is very very backwards in that way. It's a bit like um, even just with Pocahontas, it's that yeah. kind of thing. It's very yeah. much that kind of vibe, isn't it? Of yeah. the white man, like you said, is very um, has a lot of pomp and posturing and knows his manners and wears the right suits and comes in to a place that really doesn't belong to him. Like that is actually part of the plot of this movie mm. is that the Cullens don't belong there. They don't live there. They're not mm. from the area. And actually Jacob and his tribe have every right to be pissed off about them using their land. Mm. And it's we- it's weird the way that the writer uses those ideas but ultimately the main issue is that at the end she decides that the white man is the winner I think that's Mm. the main issue I mean in some ways it's it's interesting and good that she is drawing attention to indigenous cultures however the fact that her white character champions at the end that's where for me the main issue is you know yeah definitely yeah and I think it's like it's hard, yeah, it's hard not to sort of assume that she has, like, she is racist based on all the other stuff as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, as a kind of package, it's like, doesn't look good, really, for Stephanie Mayer. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I wonder if we should move on to, like, the later yeah, let's move on. films. Because it just gets weirder <laughs> as it goes on. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, second film, Bella is Heartbroken. Edward basically, oh yeah, I mean, as a plot thing, at the end of the second film, he's like, I'm going to die. He wants to die because he can't be with Bella and he's cut up about that. So he goes to the Volturi and he's like, I want you to kill me. And then Bella and Alice go and like save the day. Right. And basically like in, I can't actually remember why, like why he's then like, oh, it's fine for us to be together. But they get back together at the end of the second film. Right. Yeah. And third film, he's like, I want... Like, they're together again, and he's then like, I want us to get married. And she's like, I want to become a vampire. And they have this kind of conflict about, you know, whether... She doesn't want to get married, and he doesn't want her to become a vampire, right? But, like, maybe we should talk a bit more about the Cullens, the individual mm. Cullens, because mm. that is a that is a plot point of the second movie, as well as this kind of increase in her interest in Jacob... You know, Edward really isn't very present in the second movie, and then it, it get really when he the is. Third movie, we get a bit more. Yeah, of the Cullens, yeah. Don't we? Maybe that's and, like, it. Yeah, their, their backstory and like there's so there's uh, Jasper who's like from like I'm really paraphrasing like Civil War times in America, I guess. He was like a right, soldier, like right? that particular thing for me really heightened everything we've just been saying about the Jacob Mm, issues like to have like a civil war white soldier as one of your major players in the movie and have him Mm. be this kind of heroic figure Mm. um yeah problematic (laughs) yeah like oh it's like we find out that he was kind of turned by this like woman I guess who was like his lover I honestly I kind of found that whole bit just a bit boring I was like what didn't really care about the back his backstory however like sorry go on I was going to say, Rosalie, I was very interested in in her backstory. Yeah. I felt like that was way, like, right up my street. (laughs) Because Mm. Rosalie, who's, like, really hot and actually, like, 
I kind of fancy, I think. You know, she's got a real... um, At first, I thought, oh, she's just kind of a basic kind of person, quite Mm. boring. But then when we get to find out her story, it's really interesting. And she is... um, When she was younger, in wartime, um, she had a boyfriend and the boyfriend kind of led her towards this group of men who he was hanging out with when he was very drunk and it's it very heavily implied that they gang raped her and mm. suddenly it's like oh my god like this sort of silly teen uh, romance story mm. has become this whole other thing and I only mm. got five minutes of that story but I could have read that story uh, much I'd much have in, enjoyed that because it was really gripping those five minutes where after that happens she then becomes a vampire um and decides one on one one by one to murder each of the men who raped her so it's very Mm. promising young woman kind of Mm. plot isn't it like wow like I was blown away for five minutes there (laughs) yeah and she's as a character like really the only one of them that like has her head screwed on about the whole situation I feel yeah like like, obviously you shouldn't go out with this person like you shouldn't you shouldn't become a vampire like it's not good it's not good life Mm. which again as an adult watching it I'm like it definitely isn't like she shouldn't become a vampire like you you, she will never die (laughs) so never die just to be like the only one having that dissenting view isn't she yeah it's like this is not obviously not a good way to live and Rosalie's the only one that's like, no, don't do it. Like she's yeah, like, like, just don't be an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> like, what just are you thinking? Stay a human. Like you'll get over him <laughs> like a normal person. Yeah, like yeah. everybody else on earth who gets over yeah. their first love straight away. You know. Yeah, exactly. So we're hit. We like we like Rosalie. She's a good character. Interesting. Big fan. What about um, what are your feelings on Alice? Um, I mean. Yeah, like, she's, like, the ultimate, like, manic pixie dream girl thing again, which is yeah. kind of annoying in terms of being, like, she's she's quirky. Right, she's so right. quirky. She's so quirky. <laughs> and, like, her whole thing is that she can see the future. So that's kind of used as a plot device quite a lot where she sees something happening. Mm. Like, she sees Edward going to the Volturi and trying to get them to kill him. And, uh, yeah, that's... It's very convenient, actually. There's so many things in this story that just annoy me from a writer's perspective where she just does things that are, like, super convenient plot-wise. And you're like, oh, True. very nice way to just easily tie this situation up. Definitely. And I feel like the, the being able to see into the future helps her just, like, randomly bring things into the story all the time because Alice has a vision about something. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I want to yeah, say, like, handy. about the gifts as well. Like, I think the women get really shit gifts. Uh, gifts and on that point I don't mind swearing because they're really shit compared to the men's gifts like <laughs> yeah. I'm not being funny but like Alice yeah like we said can see into the future okay that's really cool it's it's not action-packed it's cool and mm. it's useful mm. and then with um Bella eventually we find out that she's what's called a shield so mm. she just stands there looks at the men and protects the men and it's like what that's your really? skill. Yeah, what, just like, the men, not the yeah, women. Well, no, she can. No, it's not that bad. But she can <laughs> I was protect, like, what? She, it's like she just sends out right. a literal shield so that they okay. they don't experience the pain that somebody else yeah, is yeah. inflicting on them. 
But I mean, come on. Like, I think the guys have way cooler skills, really. Like, super strength and super speed and whatever. Yeah. So, like, then I was going to say as well, like, because, I mean, in a way, we may as well just get through the major plot points. And so we're going to the other films. (laughs) But, like, the next thing that, that happens is that Bella agrees to marry Edward, right? Oh, of course, yes. As as yes. he's like, you have to like as a human, and they decide that they're going to do that and sleep together, like as humans. Which, first of all, like as this whole no, no, thing, she's a human. Yeah, he's still a vampire. A human and vampire. So she's so like gonna risking it, risking it all, risking her almost. life. <laughs> yeah, if you will, <laughs> if you will, and uh, yeah, they. Yeah, which is very hard for Edward because, you know, she's the tasty little snack for him. <laughs> <laughs> and he can't resist. Exactly. He can't resist eating her. But Jesus. Yeah, it also brings this whole thing into it, which, like, obviously is there from the beginning of this, like, celibacy and, like, not mm. resisting and all of this stuff, which is, like, almost like this religious thing suddenly comes into it where it's, like, no sex before marriage. And again, the writer is a Mormon. So, like, obviously has these kind of weird underpinnings. And it is bizarre watching it because in other ways, I mean, I was about to say in other ways it seems modern, but not really. Like, it's quite backwards. <laughs> in which ways, Natalie? <laughs> I wanted to clarify that In no that ways. <laughs> uh, yeah, I take that back. <laughs> but, like, it's just, it does feel weird watching it because you're kind of like, why does he care so much about them getting married? Like... Yeah. I found that I was like, he's he's so like really like no, we have to get married like in this way that just feels really yeah, it's like backwards super and religious in that way, but at the same time, it's like super extreme S and M in another way, which mm. is why it became this like the Fifty Shades yeah. of Grey yeah, is yeah. literally fan fiction for this, isn't it? And um, because you know she when she sleeps with him when they are finally married, mm. she's a human being. And he knows he potentially could kill her. So that's, mm. like, most hardcore s and I've ever heard of. You know mm. what I mean? Like, she Danger. could die. Danger. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's... I mean, that scene is so funny where, like, he, like, breaks the bed. They, like, yeah. really don't really react to it when it happens. They're just, like, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> like, actually, even though I say most hardcore s and the actual sex is so vanilla. Like, it's yeah. so boring. But, but also, the- even watching that, I was just like, this is so, this is such a weird message to put out. Like, the whole, but they, they go on their honeymoon and she has this, like, yeah. lacy thing. And she's obviously nervous about sleeping with him. And she's, like, on her own in this room with this, yeah. like, lingerie. And she looks at it and goes, don't be a coward. Like, yeah. I was like, what the- what the fuck is this message that he's just like waiting for her and she's like forcing herself into this like lingerie and she's like terrified because she might die at the hands of Oh my of god, this yes! <laughs> I didn't even notice that, but you're so right. You're so right. Like, this is going to seem a bit rude of me to say, but I just feel like Edward is not a realistic man, okay? Mm. I just don't, I just don't buy <laughs> I don't it. Think like, that's, I think that's completely fair. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I mean, his whole relationship with sex is very much like holding back, holding back. It's all about the foreplay. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's so much foreplay. It's like, yeah. you know, a little kiss on the cheek or like brush of the hair. You know, it's very, yeah. I'm sorry, but it's very female. It's very what we as females experience and what we would like from sex. 
Mm. I personally, in my experience, I've never met a man who wanted to hold back to that extent. And Mm. it's, uh, to me, it just, it doesn't seem realistic at at all. Mm. I don't know. But But in that that sense, it's like, that's, that's like, you're right. That's why it's become this like, erotic thing that kind of went into Mm. Fifty Shades of Grey and everything because it's like all about this like holding back and also this like violence like underpinning violence I don't know it's very S&M like you say yeah yeah but I do think like that is apparently very like you know if an academic was to look at it very like female gazy thing right yeah um, of like, like I'm not restraint. saying there's anything wrong with it I'm just saying it's very much from the female viewpoint and I'm not yeah. sure she's quite I probably would buy Edward as a character more if they had more conversations about sex like that bit that you're talking about on the honeymoon where she isn't sure if she wants to go there but she just says don't be a coward you know Mm. In a modern day retelling of Twilight, wouldn't it be great if they sat there and were like, what would you like to consent to? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's like, that's what I mean. It just felt bizarre. It was like, this is such a weird thing between them. I find their whole relationship bizarre, to be honest. Like, they have, yeah. like, yes, they obviously have like sexual tension, but like, that's it. Oh my God, their conversations are so dry. It's like, so dry. They have nothing like, in common. That's a big thing yeah. for me. I do feel like, Jacob's character is is built up to be quite similar to Bella's. They're from similar backgrounds. They're very um, in touch with their, like, quote-unquote, male side. You know, they're both into very... You know, they have hobbies together. It's cute. Like, I just... I love that. That's the stuff of long-term relationships, like... I think so. Especially because Edward and Bella have to be together for, like, what... 3,000 years or something like that. Oh my god, imagine. I would not want 3,000 years with that bloke. I think oh, that's what I'm ultimately trying god. to say. Like, he's so yeah. boring. He's, he's so, so boring. He's so boring. There are some things in it where, like, one of them will do something that's, like, not, not, I'm not even going to say funny, just, like, slightly amusing. And the other one, like, cracks up. And it's like they're trying <laughs> to, like, make them more interesting than they actually. Oh, true you know I mean? that's it for me that's it there's no spark i like a bit of you know yeah bit of push and pull a bit of haha yeah and i guess you does know. have a bit more of that with jacob in that he's a bit more like you know says what he thinks like yeah we'll call her and out like, and stuff this is like moving ahead too far but he i'm sorry but he is funny like yeah. there's a scene where they're all in a tent together the three of them which again is another mm. con- contrived situation which only happened because she wanted it to happen mm. and like Bella's really really cold and Jacob like has to hold her in front of Edward and he says like I'm hotter than you and it's like mm. yes Jacob yeah. I don't know <laughs> just like that whole it. scene we should unpack because I mean, okay. one thing obviously we wanted to sort of talk about is like, is it feminist or not? Because they're, they're very different takes on this film, and I think what mm. on this whole franchise, and that like, what is interesting about it is how many different sort of takes and a- analysis there is of it. Mm. But like, this one scene is just like not not feminist at all. It's in I think the second film or the third film. I can't remember, but basically like. Yeah, three. They're, I think they're like hiding film. from this vampire mm-hmm. that's like hunting Bella. That's the mm-hmm. thing. Bella's always being like, someone wants to kill her or something bad's going to happen to her. 
and they're like in this tent together and she's very damsel in distress you're so right with that that's her whole character trait her only character trait yeah yeah and she's pretending to be asleep and the two of them are having a conversation about like what would be best for her essentially oh my god that's true yes and it's she's not involved at all and she's like completely passive and it's like she's just letting she's just letting them have this conversation and they're very much like debating it between them and they're both protective and they're almost like they agree to kind of like settle their differences Mm. to do what's best for Bella and it's like (laughs) what the fuck like you know but then the other side of it is like people saying like that ultimately while she has all of that shit bullshit from them all the time she is the one that makes the decisions like she Mm. does what she wants to do at the end Mm -hmm. of the day and she's kind of like a messy bitch you know like after they're in the tent together (laughs) she really does do what she wants to do because the morning Mm. after it's like edward is like mere feet away and she just walks up to jacob and snogs him like she's really she does do whatever she wants to do and i respect that (laughs) i think if it was up to her she would essentially have a polyamorous relationship with both of them right that's the whole thing i mean if it was up to me i would read that book (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> got to say about that. be more interesting, but I don't think that the Mormons are behind that kind of setup. <laughs> so, but yeah, okay, right. Final thing, we should get to the end of the story. Wait, right. yeah, moving on a, a bit. I feel like there is more to say about the Volturi because right, yeah. I have certain issues with Jane. Jane is... Mm. Um, a woman who's played by Dakota Fanning. And like you've said, the, the leader of the Volturi is Arrow, who's played by Michael, Michael Sheen, Sheen, did you say? Yeah. Yeah, so it's, you, like, at the beginning, it's all about those bros and the bros club, and they're all, like, leading the vampires. But suddenly Jane comes along, and she's, like, this kind of scary little girl. Mm. And she really is a little girl, and I, I have, like, issues with that. And all she does is she kind of, like, walks up to people creepily and says, pain, pain. Mm. And then they, like, writhe in pain. Mm. And I just feel her as a character, for me, really emphasises some of the other female characters like Bella and the fact that they're all being really infantilised. You know, like, when you compare Arrow to Jane, Arrow is quite a complex character who's funny and witty and... Um, clever and interesting Mm. and there's a lot going on there whereas with Jane it's just like I'm so creepy I'm a little girl I don't know (laughs) just Mm. find that a problem yeah it's true there's a lot of infantilization in the film in general I suppose Uh, well I guess particularly with Bella but yeah that's a good point with her as well I mean but like yeah (laughs) and it gets I get like it gets like into like paedophilia territory it just does like right. just getting weirder and weirder and then like you know yeah let's we, get into that going for the infantilization <laughs> and then there's full-blown paedophilia i mean oh already, God, talk about that <laughs> we could say that with the edward bella age gap i suppose but then mm-hmm. jacob uh, there's this whole thing with the werewolves called imprinting which we should explain where they yeah, go on. they like basically like see someone they imprint on them and it's like that's their that's their person for forever they're like yeah you know there's like nothing that's stronger than this imprinting kind of bond yeah romantic bond yeah yeah but it's very bizarre it's very weird in that it's like they can imprint onto children 
And at that stage, it's apparently not romantic. But then they come of age and then it is romantic. So it's like grooming, <laughs> legitimised grooming, essentially. And what happens is... I mean, is- yeah, like, I don't even think that differentiation was made. I feel, personally, I feel like you've made that differentiation because I really scoured those last couple of movies for what was going on there. And actually, in, in, the, in the very last movie, which I just watched last mm. night, it's very clear from Bella's point of view what's mm. going on. We should actually mm. explain why we're... Sorry, go on. Yeah, it, it is explained more in the book. It feels like it's justified more in the book. It's like she's oh, okay. trying to be like, look, it, it's not paedophilia. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's totally... It's all above board until they're 18. And then, it, then it's fair game, essentially. Like, Jesus. Yeah, which is fucked up. But basically the story is that because Bella and Edward have human vampire sex on their honeymoon she gets pregnant with like a hybrid vampire Mm. human baby that just like completely fucks her up right in the pregnancy Um, yeah we haven't even talked about that oh my god it's like (laughs) about 30 minutes of the movie where she's like almost dead and then actually technically dead she dies she dies at the hands of this because the baby grows like so quickly it's like a few weeks or something because (laughs) it's a vampire I don't know I don't really know the ins and outs of the vampire biology (laughs) but they grow really really fast and it's like huge and it's like fucking her up from the inside and she gets Mm -hmm. like really like thin and she looks awful and when she gives birth she dies and then Edward injects her with his venom (laughs) and makes her a vampire and wishes it's like she's dead. Jacob thinks she's dead and he's really upset. And then she becomes a vampire and it like that saves her. And that takes us into the last two films where she then is a vampire and they have this baby. Um, into the last <laughs> film, I should say. I mean, it's just... And then she has this baby and Jacob imprints onto the baby. It's just right. it's so convenient. That's what I mean. Like, this is when I was reading the books and I was like, do you know what? I was already kind of on my way out and this was like the final straw for me. Do you know what I mean? I was just like, this so, is like, the dumbest thing ever. So like, I feel like we need ever. to be like super clear to anyone who isn't as like deep into this as we now are. <laughs> hasn't been watching like, these to, for two Yeah, weeks. right? <laughs> <laughs> to be super, super clear, Jacob, who's been Bella's side man mm. for the whole duration of all of this, suddenly decides that he, the love of his life is a baby. Yeah. And, and not he calls only her like baby. Nessie. Oh, can we just also yeah. mention that she has the worst name of all time, which is Renesme. Which <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like made me Bella, laugh so much. Bella's like, I've been playing around with, with our mother's names and I've come up with something amazing. <laughs> it's just Renesmee. the shittest name ever. It's just the two <laughs> names forced together and it sounds so bad. And then he, he shortens it to like Nessie and oh, God. the writing is just so like actually hurt. There's a bit where she's like, She's like having a go, Bella's having a go at him because she's obviously annoyed that he fancies her newborn child. <laughs> Understandably. <laughs> and she's like, Fair enough. like, you nicknamed our child after the Loch Ness Monster as if it's like, I feel like they wrote it as if that's supposed to be like a funny line or something. And I was just like, it's just <laughs> shit. It's like <laughs> horrendous, horrendous. Anyway, like Renesme. She grows really fast when she's born as well, doesn't she? Mm. So in the last movie, it's all about her and about how all the vampires from all over the world are... Right, well, first of all, the Volturi are mad because they think 
that Renesmee is an immortal child. In other words, to my understanding, although I might not be quite right, sorry if I'm wrong, um, they think she's a vampire child and apparently vampire babies and toddlers are super, super deadly. So the Volturi mm. are on the warpath. They're going to go after the Cullen family and, you know, work out what's going on here. But the Cullens, they gain... They, they send out the call for all of the vampires that they've known within their close circle over the years to come and join them. So it becomes like a war between the Cullen tribe and, if you were, mm. like, inverted commas, and the Volturi. Um, and in the middle of this is Renesme, this odd-looking child who's growing all, mm. all the time. This um, odd-looking child. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> She's so weird. Little freak. <laughs> That's really bad, isn't it? Oh my god. So <laughs> hybrid freak. <laughs> oh god. Oh. Uh, anyway, basically, the end of the movies is that they. It's so weird, right? Because Natalie hasn't watched this one recently. I, I watched it last night. What happens is they have this massive battle scene, and then it, and then. Alice puts her hand on Arrow's face and it's like, oh, it was all a dream, which I think is the worst writing really? like thing ever. Like they yeah. didn't actually have the battle and everyone just goes home and has their happy, happy ever after. Like what? it seems so rubbish. Like the whole plot of the last movie to me was kind of, I could have just not watched it. That was pointless. Yeah, I think it's that thing where like she obviously hadn't plotted out the story and she and I think so many things happen as a result of that. Like I think the whole thing with Jacob happened. So agree. She just didn't know what to do with Jacob. So she's like, <laughs> let's just have him imprint on the kid. That's so <laughs> then, true. Then it's all fine, you know? And Yeah. Um yeah, similarly with, with the Volturi storyline, it's just like I don't think she really knew what she was doing with the ending. Yeah. It's just such a big old fucking mess. The whole, but like, I mean, and it just gets weirder and weirder and weirder as it goes on. I find like, even like I started to watch the last film and with her dad, Charlie, you mm-hmm. know, there's been this whole thing about how she's never going to see her family. Right. Again. And then Jacob again, just decides for her that oh, true. that's not yeah. what should happen. And, you know, Charlie should be in her life. So he shows yeah that's really bad jacob he's let me down (laughs) yeah well they all do that with her they're just like i know what's best all the time Mm. but he he shows himself to charlie as a werewolf in order to kind of tell charlie that Mm. he doesn't there are non-human entities and kind of introduce him to the idea of bella yeah not being human anymore but like I don't know because again I can't remember how that pans out but the scene is so weird and that he goes to their house and he's like you know you look different but they just kind of agree that he doesn't really need to know about (laughs) it and he just is fine with that apparently he's kind of just like yeah "Yeah, sure that's fine I don't really know what's going on but glad everything's okay (laughs) like obviously something is so unrealistic oh and also you have a baby like and he's like weirdly fine about that as well and I was just like he obviously would be like super freaked out and like demanding to know what's going on so true like it's just fine (laughs) because that's so so true i think my main issue with the charlie plot line is like why have him in there at all if you're gonna hurt him this i just can't bear it poor charlie like literally i can totally understand if your family have wronged you in any way totally set up boundaries distance yourself like you don't need to see them anymore i'm completely on board with that idea 
Charlie is the best dad I've ever seen on screen. Like, I'm sorry, yeah. but he doesn't deserve this. Like, yeah. like justice for Charlie, okay? That's my lasting thought. Yeah. Also, like, I mean, this is a side note, but, like, their wedding, when they get married, is, like, such a bummer. Bummed me out so hard. I was like, this is, like, the saddest <laughs> wedding of all time. Like, the speeches, again, it's like they were trying to be funny, but they're actually just depressing. The speeches, like... They're really bad. They do a montage of speeches, don't they? And they're, like, yeah. all really rubbish. Like, why bother with all of that fluff? It's, it's like, nothing. Nothingness. Yeah, like, they're not funny. And then, like, it's, like basically charlie just being a bit like sad about the fact that this has actually happened it's a real missed opportunity yeah yeah like even anna kendrick like isn't really that funny like give anna kendrick a funny line like she lifts the whole thing again and again and again yeah you know they don't really i think that's part of for me that's Mm. part of i was really interested in the fact that we found out that the first movie was made by a woman and the rest weren't like Mm. I do think the quality goes down because I do think they use Anna Kendrick very well in the first movie consistently yeah. throughout it. She's so funny. Um, yeah. A different point I just wanted to say uh, with this last movie is that when all these uh, different vampires are coming to the Cullen house from all over the world, that mm. to me was interesting because all of a sudden you had like Rami Malek um, and some... Uh, black women sorry I don't know the, the actress's names but mm. y- you suddenly got some di- diversity which was great but it definitely felt like an afterthought mm. you know all the way through these movies um we really only had like one or two black or um mm. Asian characters and then suddenly at the end all of these um different kinds of people come in but I just mm. for me personally I felt like an afterthought isn't good enough and still really as an adult watching these movies and having read some feminist literature and whatever Mm. I just felt like my lasting takeaway from this is yes it's a racist series Mm. of books or movies I'm sorry but that's my personal opinion because all of this stuff about like sparkly white people and how special they are really didn't I I really didn't like it I just thought it was really and it feels like very tokenistic to be honest to then just like Mm. like shovel the diversity into the last film in this like one scene yeah in a way that doesn't really actually have any lasting impact on the story like none of those characters are you know like major characters right it's like yeah pro- and, prob- and even, honestly probably was in response to criticisms around diversity agree. yeah i agree and i feel like even with with those few characters that were very very much i agree with you tokenistic like mm. their superpowers mm. <laughs> were very uh in line with this idea of people who are not white being somehow sort of spiritually different um Mm. for example Rami Malek he can make he can move the elements so he can make the the ice melt and make the water go up and it's all Mm. very um quote-unquote kind of like witchy and I wasn't keen on those particular skills being given to those particular characters if you get what I mean like it was still it still felt a bit racist you know what I mean yeah I mean it is really it's like it's an interesting one because I think um I feel 
pretty negatively about it on the whole like having unpacked it all (laughs) and again just feels like another example of things where like I'm just like this is what I grew up with as a teenager and at the time I really was not analyzing it in this way I don't think I had Mm. the kind of cultural knowledge or language or understanding Mm. to think about any of the prob like the fact that it's got this racism is it the fact that it's sexist really I do think in many ways and in like whilst I understand some arguments around some of the female characters it's like ultimately Bella seems very passive and in very Mm. much in service to the men all the time uh like it's like she doesn't have her own life (laughs) or desires everything is in response to either Edward or Jacob true yeah I completely agree with that yeah and like you know she yeah like she's like in essentially like an abusive relationship and that's like glorified <laughs> do you know what I mean As like romance. I shouldn't laugh but it's so true you, like you have to laugh in a way because it's so <laughs> ridiculous but like at the same time you can't really argue against the like cultural phenomenon that it was mm. and you know one thing that we read about that was kind of interesting in this and in, in how much money it made as a series mm. and how that money was because of teenage girls essentially and like how it made the film industry do films and franchises like the hunger games which actually are quite feminist and get behind these other things where the teenage girls were like that buying Mm. power and it did that it did have that positive impact i suppose to try and give some ben you know (laughs) positive spin on this yeah um, I don't know if it will ever be worth us doing an episode on Divergent because I don't think many people are as into that as they are into Twilight. But for me, those YA movies, Divergent, Insurgent, all of them, I think Twilight gave the platform for something like that to exist. And I I personally love those movies because I think if you haven't seen them, Shailene Woodley's character... She um, leaves her drab background to become, like, literally an action-packed superhero type of person. But she's still a human being. I don't mean she's a superhero. She just develops skills of, like, climbing up buildings and running along train tracks. And she's so fast-paced. And it's so exciting. And I personally, I want to see more of that. I want to see more women... Mm -hmm being at the forefront of the action and I think yeah I I prefer those those YA movies to this Mm. but I think it's definitely worth acknowledging what you've said about how without Twilight we we wouldn't be getting those kinds of movies and so I'm glad that Twilight exists and existed and Mm. you know and I think it's like at least people are definitely picking it apart as well like there's there's no if you want to get into the twilight hole I mean me and Megan have been in that hole (laughs) for like the past (laughs) couple of weeks I've read so many articles if you've listened to this you're in the hole with us (laughs) it's it's interesting like there's a lot of analysis on it and uh, it's not it's easy to dismiss a story like this I think because it's a it's aimed at teenage girls and like mm. in a way it does show you how like powerful teenage girls are do you know mm. what I mean as, as a yeah. kind of force in terms of the popularity of this film and the kind of money that it made and and the books as well I do so, think yeah, as well with this movie in terms of like is it feminist or not for me I guess it does really dive deep into like female desire 
in a yeah. way that a lot of these kinds of movies don't and it so for me it has value on that front you know yeah. like there is something quite for, to me personally there is something quite interesting in you know a young girl exploring her sexuality mm-hmm. and on that level i think it does kind of succeed and yeah. It's just that there's no narrator saying, you know, Bella, maybe you should think twice before doing this. Or there's, there's nothing to temper her crazy, yeah. crazy hormones, yeah. which I think it does need on some level. Yeah. But it's an accurate depiction of what we were all like as teenage women, right? Teenage yeah. girls. We watched a film review of it, like with Mark Commode and Simon Mayer, and Simon Mayer described it as like angstily erotic, and I was like, "That's very accurate." <laughs> I think it's very angsty. I think so, and also erotic, but in a very like moody teenage way, isn't it? Yeah, you know? definitely. Um, shall we just wrap it up and do our recommendations, yeah. like we always do at the end? At the end, we always talk about things that we've seen recently. So, do you want to yeah. go first with that? Yeah, so I'm going to do a book recommendation. Um, I've just started Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. I'm like, Mm. so I I guess I haven't finished it. But talking about reading slumps has very much got me out of a reading slump Mm. in that I just am like totally loving it so far. It's really good. Um, It's a story that's about two, like a a boy and a girl who meet when they're children in like a hospital waiting room where they play video games together and they both go on as adults to be game video game designers um but I say you don't need to be into video games to like the book at all but it's like just yeah it's very like funny and it's quite interesting like the way the games that they talk about and the way that they talk about them it's like quite unusual I haven't really read a book that's about that before it's always like cool. not got like a bit of a normal people vibe in terms of them like oh. the childhood thing but also then going into their adult lives and you get in both of their perspectives um but yeah I mean I'm loving it so far that would be my recommendation yeah cool um, I finally got Apple TV since you yes. banged on about it so much. <laughs> and I watched uh, Mr. Corman, which is Joseph Gordon-Levitt's like baby. He's made, he's made it, he directed it, he wrote it and he stars in it. Hmm. And it, it really feels like 500 Days of Summer, very much really? so. So if you liked that movie a long time ago, hmm. then this will be up your street. I mean, I'm not saying there's no problems with that movie we could probably mm. talk about that another time <laughs> but it's got you know it's I can see that he must have been involved somehow in the making of that movie because mm. this is very much the same tone mm. um it's like a teacher who um he kind of has these panic attacks um so it's very on the nose for me mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's literally my <laughs> life. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess if you're somebody who likes something a bit like quote unquote quirky mm. and maybe does struggle with some kind of mental health issues, then it's it's a really good watch. I really enjoyed Is it. it. A film or a TV series? No, it's a series uh, okay. about ten episodes and. Um, I mean, to be honest, not a whole lot happens, but I don't mind that, you know, it's, it's yeah. mostly about how can he deal with his life uh, with this mental health issue, which I thought was really interesting. And then, um, yeah, and I also watched Heartbreak High on Netflix, which is a bit of more of a silly one, um, mm. but I am going to recommend it because I think 
if you liked Heartstopper, you know, Skins, these kinds of things. Mm. It's very up that street. It's nonsense, but yeah, it was good. It was on Netflix and it's set in Australia and you just got the usual cast of misfits and Mm. they go to lots of parties and it's a good, like, teenage drama. Um, Yeah, I really enjoyed that. And kind of got into finding out a bit more about Gen Z culture, actually. Because a lot of that really went over my head and I was feeling quite old watching it. But, yeah, it was good. It's weird, isn't it? That's what's happening now. Like, we're behind, (laughs) you know. I know. So bad. (laughs) We don't know what's up anymore. Like, I don't have TikTok. I don't understand TikTok. Right. Like, watching that series, like, made me feel down with the kids. So if that's what you're looking for, maybe watch it. Okay, I'll check those out. They sound good. Um, okay, okay well, we did it. We did it. That's the Twilight deep dive. <laughs> I, finally, we can stop fucking watching them. <laughs> it's been a long slog, guys. Really I can't has. lie. This is all yeah. we've watched for the last few we weeks. We did it for you. <laughs> <laughs> this is the how much we love you. And we delivered. <laughs> Nobody um, asked, actually. <laughs> two people asked. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's enough. That's enough for us to spend, like, <laughs> 10 plus hours watching Twilight films. We're, like, <laughs> considering, not for all of them, but we are considering doing other deep dives. So if yeah. there's something that you are, like, obsessed with on this level in the way that, like, yeah. Twihards are obsessed with this, let us know and we'll consider it for an episode. Because I really enjoyed yeah. this. Did you? Yes, and I think it is, like, for all of its problems, it's worth watching in that, like, even just to kind of hate watch it. Like, it's very... I found it very funny. Like, there were things in it that genuinely, like, cracked me up. Like, Renesme, it just gets me every time. It's, like, the stupidest (laughs) name I've ever... Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, Oh, it's been great. So, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, Yeah. Yeah, if you're interested... Actually, there is some interest in different clubs opening Natalie I haven't mentioned this to you but yeah we've got something oh, cool. else coming up soon oh. um so if you're interested in the book club in general and you don't live in the same city as us or the other ones that we do because we have uh book clubs in Liverpool um Hal in Germany Berlin no not Berlin Belfast is what I mean mm. um so if you live somewhere else and London as well we have just get in touch we'd love to have you and also um at one of our manchester book clubs recently a few people asked me um like how does it all work so just to explain that Mm. the book club works that we are all on a whatsapp chat and um we all collectively choose the books together um so we'll vote on it um so yeah if you're interested in kind of a social book type club in Manchester or in any of those yeah. other places come along it's been really nice to like meet like-minded people and like Natalie and I wouldn't be here giving you this if it wasn't for that and I think yeah. there are all sorts of like interesting connections like that that you can make with other people who love the same yeah. things as you I guess yeah definitely it's like very open friendly and we do lots of socials it's like a great mm-hmm. way of making friends um and even yeah, like, people join us online, you know, who are not mm-hmm. in the same cities, who are part of the WhatsApp group or come to online meetings. So yeah, it's been nice as well. Just to, like reassure anyone out there that's like worried about that, you know, new people come all the time. Like every time yeah. we have a meet, somebody new is there. So don't worry, like you're probably not going to be the only one there that's new. And yeah, um, you're exactly. very, very welcome. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, you can follow Feminist Fiction on Instagram as well, at feminist.fiction. And if you like the podcast, please tell people about it and rate and review. But yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. Bye.